Cormaline Regally and flea spiders Oh yeah Calabas is my personal fave Oh yeah Ultradium concussion shells Say what now? Talor Rooney Bertram Hoya Muniz Akba What the hell are you talking about? It's time for the rules of acquisition Hello! <laughs> Sorry, I <laughs> almost fell into bad Oprah impression. Hello! Um, hello! And welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest TV show. Man, season five is good so far. Well, shit, I don't know. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um... My name is Wade Bowen, and with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello. <laughs> Hugh, are you, are you there? Oh. That sounded like you were in the, the Dark Lodge or whatever. Oh, like right. you were in the, <laughs> yes, I'm crinkling, you, crinkling some you? paper together right now. <laughs> is, that, is that your is that your Twin Peaks Bob voice? <laughs> oh, he's trying to get his ASMR. Hey, yes. What are you trying to do? To get, you got some paper over right. there to crinkle. Um, yeah. Hey, Wade, how are you doing? We're here to talk about this shit. I'm doing all. I'm doing all right. Good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're here. We're talking about Deep Space Nine. Uh, we're talking about an episode called what the ship yes it is episode two of season five it originally aired on october 7th 1996 and here is the imdb description the crew is forced to retreat in a crashed jim hadar ship after an attack by the jim hadar <laughs> it's wonderful mm -hmm. writing they get oh, yeah. the feeling there's something very important about this ship all right uh <laughs> it's named the ship, so that description really helps. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. think the ship is important? Yes, I think it's important. <laughs> it's the title of the episode. <laughs> this okay. is a uh, word. People like this episode, right? I love this episode. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how people feel. This is when I didn't. This isn't an episode I thought of when people talk about Deep Space Nine. I don't hear this episode being brought up all the time. But I, I was, I liked this one a lot. I thought, I thought it was fine. This is what else episodes I thought. I thought it was her. fine, but it was also a throw. I don't think it was. You thought it was a throwback, or oh, oh I said I think it's fine. I thought it could have been better, even with this. Like I don't know. Like it's fine. It's not. A, I don't have a ton of bad stuff to say about <laughs> it. Didn't like it. Didn't like piss me off, but I was kind of like, eh, it's okay. I thought this one. Well, I saw how it kind of does things that other episodes later are more famous for doing, but I felt like I don't know. I I have a lot of good things to say about this one. But. Yeah, I thought it was a good one too. I thought it was it was kind of a throwback to some of the original series more heavy-handed uh type episodes. Yeah. There was a little bit of a morality play to this one. Oh yeah, totally. That oh, yeah. you didn't get to see too much at the at, you know, at that period of time in television. You know, the the mid-90s particularly were sort of a cynical time on TV as well as a cynical time in pop culture. And so to see a Star Trek like morality play, like right smack almost dab in the middle of a, a run is sort of a an interesting thing. I mean, this is pretty straightforward morality play. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and when we were in the slacker generation of X kind of shit going on, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, like, I mean this is nineteen ninety six. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean this mm -hmm. is I mean, I wonder if if we look up like the some of it's the earnest biggest... is right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the earnestness is my favorite part. I don't mean that as like a like. It is. It is mine too. Yeah. That's why I think it's a bold mm -hmm. move for its yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I almost feel like my issues are. I'm just gonna say this. Like two episodes in, and I watched the next episode, so I know that this is a two episode critique. What's going on with like Cole Meany? Like I thought he was. I thought really. He was, yeah, I thought, I he, thought was, he was great in this. Like I, I like the whole. Well. When I watched this, I watched this the first time I watched it a couple of weeks ago, right after... There's a little the, bit of dad humor in it. There's a lot of dad humor in it. <laughs> I liked it more than I liked Apocalypse Rising, because it felt... Really? I don't know. Yeah. You like yeah. this more than Apocalypse Rising, huh? I did. Interesting. Yeah. I thought 
Okay, so there's a okay, so I'm the guy that goes and reads about the production history and stuff like that. Obviously, this is a <laughs> Southern California quarry epi- quarry Obviously, episode. Yeah. This yeah. is the same quarry they go to. This is their standard quarry. For sure. I do know that it was 120 degrees that day. Yeah, they that, did that all was a real sweat stuff. on their polyester yeah. uniform. Yeah. <laughs> right. they, they were saying that they, at the end of a cut, whatever they called cut, they would pour water on the actors' heads and the suits would be dry before they started the next scene. Wow. Or started the next uh, shot. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think my general critique on it is that the... I don't know. Like I, I felt like the, the actors weren't punching it. Like I felt like... But I think Avery Brooks was fine and I think that... The lady, the not Lisa Marie Presley is fine. <laughs> right. Killara or whatever. Yeah, we should. I don't know. When we were a young podcast, I used to want to get these. Caitlin Hopkins is her name. Uh, okay. uh, uh, but I always wanted to give these people like credit. Now I think I've, we're slacked off. <laughs> we're just tired. We're tired. Just like Comey. <laughs> 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 I just felt like I, I don't know. I I wasn't feeling him, and I, he had a lot of he had a lot of emotion. Yeah, yeah. A lot of this show was built up on his character and what he was going through. And I was. I don't know. I I thought he was fine. I liked his little arc here. Yeah. I liked the way I liked the directing of this, and well, the writer is Hans Belmer, who is a go-to guy for the show. Mm-hmm. Maybe he comes on this season. I don't remember. But he gets to be in the writer's room, I think, when they do the documentary. Uh, yeah. So he's a big guy. And the director is like, oh, they're finally letting a woman direct this one. Uh, Kim Friedman, I think. Ah, yes. And I thought the directing in this one was really done well. Like the way they're on the ship and it's all these kind of like tilted camera angles and it's kind of claustrophobic. And I thought I, I thought that the director did a good job on this one, too. And I was like, oh, Finally, Berman led a woman through, but you know, whatever. That's a whole other. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't agree. I don't disagree with that. I mean, I, I, I don't have a hard negative of this show. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. Like, I think it was pretty good. I think that yeah, specifically, yeah, I think Cisco was really good. I think the writing was really good. I do, I do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did uh, you guys want to kind of go through the episode and then we'll? Yeah, yeah. I was just about. Yeah. It starts off. Starts off from the very beginning. What another thing I liked about it is it set at least at the beginning. It's a it's a diverse crew. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like it starts off they're on Torga 4 and they're cormaline mining or whatever. So, whatever. But then there it's it, the opening scene is Muniz shit talking with O'Brien and he's like, "Oh, don't call me sir. I'm not in, you know, and they're two enlisted guys." Mm-hmm. I have to tell you to stop calling me sir. I'm not an officer. No, you know more than they do. Well, I wouldn't go that far. You know, there's there's the the jive being back and forth between them, and he's like, "Oh, this is class five pyroclastic debris and ash." And it's like, "Well, this is what we've seen the whole time." It's like, I "Just thought I'd point it out to you." And like, "Oh, well, I've walked all these mountains in Ireland," and the guy's like, well, "Ireland doesn't have mountains, you dumbass." And it's, <laughs> it's like, "Oh, why well, I, I ought to I'll transfer you to waste extraction," you know, and it's just like two guys on the job giving each other shit good naturedly. I like. Uh, Muniz is a big character in this, but then though they've got all uh, these different like aliens, they've got Toral or whatever, some guy with the forehead thing, and then they've got like Panthro's sister back on the runabout. Yeah, Pan- Panthro. yes, Panthro's sister. Who <laughs> was the uh, same race as the person who beat Wesley Crusher's ass at the Starfleet exam? Oh yeah, you remember? The except Cat. Yeah, yeah, but he had, oh. but he had to have like an incense uh, holder mm-hmm. to breathe out of some sort of breathing apparatus, and the oh, okay. this one didn't. She, okay. She didn't have whatever condition he had. <laughs> She's like, uh, I can breathe. Uh, yeah. She didn't have space asthma. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, you know, he's giving shit to Miles for being sweaty and tired because it's really apparently 120 degrees out or whatever. Yeah. Uh, there's a crash. Uh, there's like a new ship comes in and it turns out that it's a crash Jim Hadar ship. And so they're going to they're going to investigate. Mm hmm. And that's what that's the whole story. I mean, that's what the whole show is about. And I, I mean, that that whole stuff was really interesting. This like sort of like, well, we have to take it because it'd be the greatest intelligence find of whatever time, you know, for so many years. And yeah, yeah. So they're in there and it is it is kind of it's well done. It's creepy. It's uh, it has like a yeah. it's like it's an upside down ship. So they're walking on the ceiling like I was I, it, made, it made me wonder how much they had to spend on the sets for this episode. Yeah. Because it's everything's upside down, so that's kind of cool. And then they, yeah. uh, massive osteonecrosis 
because the inertial dampeners have failed, and that's apparently, I guess, what killed everybody. So they find, you know, like a Jem'Hadar hanging from the ceiling. And, uh, but on the way in, they get attacked by all these Jem'Hadars, sorry, that show up out of nowhere and kill Talor, blow the runabout that they've taken out of the sky, shot of the debris falling over, and Panther's sister is dead, and Talor, the... Other so all these aliens I was excited to see in the showing the diversity of the the crew that they brought most of them get killed. You get it, mm-hmm. and I think they're they're really missing an opportunity to show uh, panthro diversity in the <laughs> right. <laughs> Bury um, your panthros. <laughs> uh, I hate to see them fall into that cliche. They got a letter from the panthros saying it was okay though ahead of time. <laughs> they, got it, they got it certified. <laughs> they got a certified panthro death. Uh, they are called Benzites, that alien race. Okay. I just looked it up. Yeah. There's some, there some beauty. <laughs> I prefer Panthros. <laughs> there are the Panthros. That, her name is Hoya, like, which uh, is a very, it's a weird. Oh, Hoya, yeah. They do bring that up later, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, so they're they're stuck in this ship while the Jem'Hadar, and they're like, oh, they're on top of the ship. They can hear him walking around. It's a nice use of whatever, you know, uh, of suspense. Where, uh, and then. Then I guess as much of a B plot as we get, we get one cut back to DF Snide. Oh, there was a weird B plot. Yeah. What was it? Well, Odo is taking it because Odo is not really in this episode at all either. Yeah. The one scene, the B plot is where they cram everybody and get their uh everybody's gotta get their line in. Yeah. Screen time in. Yeah, yeah. So Odo's taking in Quark and Bashir. Because Bashir ordered all these Regalian flea spiders. Their venom is good for a drug for circulation. He was making it for pregnant Kira, but they're illegal. And Quark was also taking advantage to import illegal Regalian liquid crystals, which are an aphrodisiac. Because uh, uh, what's love without danger? Uh, yeah. Uh, we'll get into that more next yeah, week. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, is that really all that, that plot? Like, they didn't... I'm trying to think. That's like, pretty much it. No, there's some point where she's like, I'm fixing to take the Defiant out to go save. Like, And I was like, why wasn't the Defiant out there to begin with? And isn't Worf the head of the Defiant? Then why isn't Worf? I don't know. But there was. Well, it's not the first time they've taken just a runabout to yeah. the edge of Dominion space, which is always a little bit iffy. But they, they have to keep the, I think, nerd cornering it. I think they have to keep the Defiant at. DS9 as much as they can for protection. Oh, well, that makes sense. And there's like, don't get me wrong. Just, yeah. This is a Callum Knight or whatever, uh, Calgon Take Me Away, mm-hmm. Cormaline mining expedition to figure out whether this is a good planet to mine. And it is. It's, it's almost like they've had the Defiant there for two years. It's almost like they could have uh, had the Mars Mars bases, like building them another Defiant. Yeah, right? I, I thought this was a post scarcity, <laughs> blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> But, uh, anyways, but <laughs> Cisco calls back to the station to get the thing towed back. They need the Defiant because the runabouts won't work. Yeah. But then also they get attacked by Jimidar. Yeah. Uh, it's really the most yeah. cursory of unimportant plots. So, uh, yeah. So then, and then Bashir is like, can I come? And she's like, fuck you. No, you got to go to jail. And it's kind of, <laughs> yes, funny. that's it. So then, uh, uh, not Lisa Marie Presley then shows up to, <laughs> to be a Vorta. This is where I'm going to angry nerd corner just for a second. Why are there female Vorta? Because the first one we met was a lady. I know. Then maybe all of them should be Vorta. She had psychic, psychic powers. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's my question. Where's oh, she powers? did. Yeah. Yeah, but like if you have a if if you have a if you're a clone I mean, race, you know, why have more than spoiler one? Spoiler alert! If you have a yeah, if you if you have a play, race that doesn't sexually reproduce, then why have sexes? Because you're, I'm tell you, I'm going to tell you exactly why right now. It, here's the thing: yeah. if you are a gangster organization, you're a space <laughs> mafia, right? Yep. Okay, so you're space, uh-huh. and you need your lieutenants, yep, to be the you ultimate manipulators, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, and exactly. You there need you both genders. I guess, yeah. For those, yeah, you're playing Fallout, and you want to have your Black Widow perk, and you're also whatever the one where dudes can talk to ladies better. Yeah, you, you need to. Okay, so she does, and that I mean, she does have like I mean, they do exaggerate her secondary sexual organs in this episode. What, her, her She's got you. a very low cut thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, she is sexualized, and that is definitely part of that's part of the package. And to she su- calls Cisco interesting, and yeah, yes. like it's supposed to be a <laughs> yeah. You look so strong, like you are direct. 
I like that. She's supposed to come off as a. Right. <laughs> I bet you're. I bet you're really talented. I bet you're a good athlete in high school, weren't you? <laughs> right. I don't want to go full incel and say, "Why do we need women?" No, at no. All? I'm not. I, I, I was even like, it would be if they were all women. That would be super interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it wasn't like that. It was just like, why? <laughs> I know you're not an incel. Jay. You have two kids. Yes. No. It, <laughs> it, 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 but it was like, why is she like? Why is she hypersexualized? What does that get you? That way, you uh-huh. doesn't. And yeah, but I get it. But. And the first one we met was a woman. They did actually try and get that woman back, by the way, for this. Oh yeah, but she was she was not having it. She's she like, was not, fuck y'all. I don't know scheduling conflicts or fuck y'all. Or yeah, like yeah. maybe she, maybe she liked to ad lib her scenes and they didn't love that. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. Yeah, it's a locked. Uh, I I just found out that it was a locked script. It was a tightly locked script show mm-hmm. where even if you wanted to add something, there's a clip out there. Will Robinson, who I think he's in the season seven episode. Yeah. The, well, I think we're about to wrap this up. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> the exhausted scripts here for you can't, you can't add well. We got to go get everybody to okay off on it, which is great. That's... Are you really, are you going to do that? Are you going to, are you going to add just well? To, are, are you going to do that? Are you changing the lines? Well, I, I, I didn't, don't know. Are, no. Okay. Thank <laughs> you. Okay. So, yeah. And I like that. Good shows do that. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she has an offer. She does like all of the way, all of the wayuns, all the vortas. They, uh, she comes off as very accommodating, unctuous, unctuously accommodating. Yeah, yeah. What's her first offer? First offer is just just to give me the ship. Yeah, yeah. you can have the sh- yeah, 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 yeah. It's our yeah. ship. He's like, yeah. Uh, and he invokes, he invokes the like finders, finders keepers. keepers. <laughs> yes, was your ship. No, it's mine. Old old Earth custom. Finders keepers. Loser sweepers. Yeah, he shows up and she's like, oh, uh, you had casualties and I'm so glad it wasn't you. And he's like, fuck you, man. I lost people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, well, I'm glad you're not dead, Cisco. Your son, Jake. It's like she was reading off his Wikipedia page. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And he was like, don't bring my kid into this, you awful woman. Like. (laughs) It's like, well, it's mine now. It's like, that's the attitude of a thief. It's like, well, salvage rights, tough shit. <laughs> I don't know. So they end up and then they start shooting them again, right? Well, yeah. And before that, I, I guess we should mention that Munez has taken a hit. Oh, yeah. When they're first getting in. And he's not. So he, he took a hit and he's at first time when Cisco comes up, he's like, are you all right? And it's like, oh, I've had worse uh, teleporter burns. And then Miles comes up it's like, teleported burns you fucking don't always kissing up to the brass or whatever and he's like ah whatever i'm just following you your example jefe (laughs) and he calls him jefe like the diverse and like oh because you're my hero it's like and he calls him Enrique. Dak says, like, how are you doing, Enrique? And then, Kike? He calls him Kike. Yeah, but O'Brien has his own little nice <laughs> little pet name for him. Like He just calls him Kike, which I thought, you know, I love the whole Moonies and O'Brien stuff in this a lot. And that that this whole, I guess that's the B-plot. Yeah, that's this. the real sort of, his, yeah, that's the sort of the yeah. real beef. And then, like, it gets into this sort of existential question because he's, he's, first, like, uh, they don't make any attempt to, he shot, and then like the next scene, it's like it's O'Brien coming over, and he's like dabbing it, and like you need to like put pressure, yeah, splint that. You need to pressure that fucker, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I, but anyway, so that's that's neither here nor there. But um, <laughs> right, but it's pretty clear that he's gonna die early on, and it's all this right this theory about do you do you just go, hey guy, you're gonna fucking die? Yeah. Well, O'Brien is like, you're gonna make it, you're gonna make it. Yeah. And then Worf keeps it's. They set Worf and O'Brien against each other because Worf is like, that guy's going to die. Mm-hmm. And O'Brien's like, fuck you, man. He's not going <laughs> to die because he's my friend. You know, like, I believed it because, you know, you don't want your guys to die. Yeah. Yeah. He, he has the pull away sleeves, which are, I guess are just Federation standard issue <laughs> where you can pull on the, the undershirt. For yeah, your that was weird because he has make- these floppy sleeves that I always thought was like, unique, but it's not a part of like. Like it, it's like a dicky, like it's just sewn into like the. T- it's right. not like it's just a little piece of fabric. I don't really. Well, it's, I'm pretty sure Cisco's pulled the same thing before. Yeah, they always got to make these breakaway fabrics. Yeah, and then so while the first time while he's and Cisco's talking to Kalara or Kalana or whatever Kalonic or whatever her name Kalonic? is. Kalonic. <laughs> That's me being dumb. Kalana. I like it though. She's like, touch the green panel and you can talk to me. And there's, yeah. Uh, they send in a Jim Hadar to plan a device. The Jim Hadar kind of fucks things up 
beats up O'Brien and Dax a little bit, but then finally Munoz got him with a phaser, saves the day kind of thing. And he's like, oh, it looks like you really were gold dick brickin'. Gold dickin', gold, gold dickin'. dickin'. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> I know it. He'd been gold brickin' all along. Like I said, you tell me everything I know. Yeah, they have a very yeah they're they're they have a very sort of like a broish that yeah. that that's carried out through. I, I I think that that may be like that's what you didn't like. I no, I don't I don't mind it on the paper. I just don't know. Like I like this was just like Comedy like last week. Like Comedy just wasn't there, and I felt like this week he wasn't yeah. too. But he had more shit. He had shit to do, and so it was a little bit more glaring. But I. I normally like Comini. I normally I, like his I, reading. It's nothing in the page that didn't. I just yeah yeah. See, I mean, I totally, I'm totally with you. Last week, so in mm. that he you know, under that Klingon <laughs> makeup, he was not he having was just, it. He was dead. But this one, I thought he was. But yeah, but yeah, that's the whole. He's like Worf is like that guy's gonna be dead tomorrow. You should just let him tell him because it's not worth like dragging it out. <laughs> well, and then and then, yeah. and then O'Brien's like, "What do you think? I should just kill him?" And Worf's like, "Yeah." You should. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I would walk. Like, if you're really his friend. Yeah, like I've asked for that several times. If you, what <laughs> do you think we should do? People, I'm always asking people to kill me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right. If you really loved him, you'd wipe his brain, wipe his memories, and sit and like give him a new home. <laughs> you're right. And then he's like, "Fuck you, Worf." And then Dex is like, uh, "Maybe come with me. We'll let let you got boys cool down." And what Dax is really good in this. Like she's wisecracking and. Funny, yeah, I she's think a, she's Farrell arrived. This is like, that's pretty. This well. is Terry Farrell. Like, yeah, as, yeah, This is we're in the we're in the golden age of Terry Farrell. Yeah, on this show, we are. She's been good for a while. Yeah, like, yeah. As Dax. Yeah, yeah. No, no, she has. But like, I feel like that. She's, I think she's she's, she's been good, but now she's she stepped it up. She's at this. her cruising altitude as a character right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that happens. They're making repairs. Then Kalana. Asked Cisco to come out again this time. She's like, I won't bring anybody, but you can bring whatever you want. So he brings a phaser rifle and they talk some more. Then negotiations have ended. She teleports away. <laughs> he's like, oh shit. And he runs back <laughs> and they start. Run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, do you trust me? He's like, no, I don't trust you, but you know, I'd like to, but I can't. But she negotiated that they want one thing on the ship. Yes, yeah. And they want to be responsible for going and picking out the one thing. Yeah, and he's just tell me what it is. I'll give it to you. He's like, I'd I'd like to trust you. He's like, what? You don't trust me? He's like, well, I can't. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I I can't trust you either. There's just too much at stake. Yeah. And I guess negotiations have ended. And she teleports away. And he's like, oh fuck, I gotta get out of here. And he scrambles back. And then they start throwing all these old tritium concussion shells to bomb and start rattling them in their cage, basically. Because they could take out the ship with one of these, apparently, but they're like, obviously, they won't. Yeah, they're not. That's what. Maybe she left an earring. That's <laughs> yeah, she does have earrings. That's another like another point. Then maybe that is what it got me because yeah. she's so overly feminized, right? That it, it is. It's pretty but, weird, but yeah. But that's what the Vorta are there. They're there to communicate with the outsiders, you know. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. So. Yeah. At this point, they uh, also the people in the the like Wharf and Dax, they're trying to get this ship running because I can't like it's mm-hmm. like two phase. They're gonna need its help if they're gonna tractor beam the ship away, right? And then they need um, well, yeah. Well, well, they're being attacked and there's Jim and R here, so they're like, man, we gotta if we can, we gotta get it running and yeah. just fly it out ourselves. Yeah. So they're trying to get the so they have like a get the ship going kind of thing. Yeah. And then they finally get, it's like, oh, I got the weapon turret working, or the weapon system working, but the turret's stuck, so it's only going to shoot one direction. So that's like, well, maybe we get lucky, ha, 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 but like, you know, that's not going to work. You get some Worf Dax flirting. Oh, yeah. Some of that goes on. Yeah, he comes in, he's like, and then they're being all rattled, like, Commander, I have this piece of junk that I just ripped out of the wall, and she's like... Yeah, it's very nice, dumbass. What am I supposed to do with it now? It's like well, I was just trying to help. <laughs> me, it's like me, not very no, smart. It's fine. Okay, I'll <laughs> right. I'll plug it into a thing. We'll get it to work. Sorry, didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Yeah. So, but everybody's wires afraid. I guess is what. Yeah, they're yeah. At, they so, they uh, keep uh, everyone on set was like we were going for this DOS boot thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was like it never really worked. Like that was their assessment of it. 
But that's what they were going for. It was like a, yeah. a whole DOS boot feel. Yeah. Which is, yeah, which it kind of has. Yeah, I thought they did. Uh, they're bumping heads like, oh, and then, you know, Worf and O'Brien are fighting again when they're getting more frazzled. It's like, you're just, you're just another weak human afraid to face death. And like, you're just another weak human afraid to face death. O'Brien's like trying to punch him right now. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and then, ah, I said, that's enough. Dax is like, oh, you tough guys, always pressure and that little pressure and they buckle and, and Cisco's like, Dax, you're not fucking helping. Act like professional, you know. Yeah. And then they they finally power it up enough to punch it out, and they about tear the thing apart and realize that it's not ever going to work, and they have to wait 36 hours for the defiant to finally get here. Yeah, because they called home. Uh, yeah, yeah, they called home, but they were trying to get out. And then like they they have a whole scene where they're like, all right, the ventral impellers are at a quarter, thrusters one half. And bring up the virtual jets to one half and blah blah blah. Techno babble, techno babble, and it about tears the thing apart. They about have a core breach and it doesn't work. And so they're like, Well fuck, I guess we just have to wait for the def- defiant to get here. Uh how you doing, Kike? Yeah, Kike. <laughs> Kike died. But yeah, Kike died did. at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Cisco that leads yeah. uh Cisco to 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 cry a little. Like he's got like a like a little crisis of confidence with the yeah. Yeah, it's a it's good. Yeah, it's this, good. it it he has an old uh, yeah old talk with his fr- fr- old man Dax, you know, and he's like, I I really you know it is good. It felt to me like, oh, this is a proto scene from possibly one of the the possibly the most famous episode uh, of yeah. DS Nine. <laughs> it's kind of setting the state. He's making hard decisions. This is a proto version of that. You know, like I told the Munis he'd make it. You know, and I, and she's like, "Well, that's what Captain's supposed to say." He's like five people dead. And, you know, you know about, you know the the pain of command and you know whatever watching people, yeah. people die and then and then um, at this point, then she starts dripping off the ceiling, which is also the floor. Right, right. Is also the yeah yeah. It turns out that uh there there's a founder hiding. Yeah, like it. Changeling and Shogoth is whatever. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Was the founder injured at the beginning, like, or was he injured because he hasn't changed? I think so. I think everybody was because, well, I mean, the the what happened with the ship was the inertial dampener stopped working, so it basically shook them all to death. Um, and I guess a changeling can take more of that, but it was hurt the whole. It time needed so yeah, like if finally, they got to it, they could have saved it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I was probably. wondering was why couldn't he have fought out, fought his way out. The changeling. He's a weenie. He was a big. It was he was wounded pussy. by that point. But yeah, <laughs> he's a pussy founder. <laughs> <laughs> he's part of that shallow end of the great length. He's not that yeah. great. And then, uh, yeah, then <laughs> well, you got enough phasers on him. He's gonna he's gonna blow up like a uh, Odo in the mirror universe. Have the founders like so? Now we've watched the death of three founders. Have they all died consistently? One exploded, didn't it? Last one week. turned to dirt. Odo, Mirror Odo just blew up like a... Oh, so we've had seen some, four like, deaths. I don't know. Because we've seen the one that Odo killed. Did he turn to dust? Oh, yeah. Black pile of dust? He, yeah, he turned to dust. He he burnt up in the, on the, being too close to the oh, but warp he, core. Okay, so this is the first time we've... He turned into dust. This is the first time we've seen someone die without being eviscerated or incinerated or something like that. Like, he died just because he was, because he was tired, I guess. Right. Well, the the this one died a lot like the one that Odo killed. Okay, that's like, right. This one, this one is like they turned into charcoal, like ash. Yeah, yeah. He turned into like literally like someone. Yeah, yeah. Like what it looks like when you clean your grill. Yeah, right. But yeah, that's the one that Odo killed. Did the same okay. thing. Okay, okay. So that's just the what they look. Yeah, Except they were shaped <laughs> like a person. So that's just what they look like. Yeah. So right. What was the other one that died? The one yesterday, last week. But. Last week. Yeah. I know, but what? And so that's Odo, the one Odo, the one that Odo killed at whatever end of season three. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah and then yeah. the one, then the one last week, and then this one. I'm bad at math. Yeah. So yeah. then Lisa Marie Presley comes in, and she's upset, and all of the Jemadar have committed seppuku because they failed to protect their lord. Right. And uh, and she, 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 she has a sad. <laughs> she has a sad. She she has a sad. Cisco has a sad. We should have trusted me. It's like 
how could I? It's like, you're f- when your first word was a lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, the whole like point of the morality play is that uh, lives were lost because they didn't listen to each other and trust each other. Yeah. 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 And yes. The runabout crew. Your soldiers. They'd all still be alive if we had trusted each other. Uh, and then she's like, oh, do you have any gods, Cisco?" I was like, well, there are things I believe in. And she's like, oh, at duty, Starfleet, the Federation, I hope they're happy when you, hope it was worth it when you bring your ship back to them. I was like, sick burn, lady. <laughs> right. Yeah, then they're on the way back on the uh, Defiant, and Dax comes in again to have another heart to talk. And it's like, oh, how Starfleet, like, Oh, Starfleet, they're pleased. They're, we're all getting medals. That's great. And she's like, I'll put it with the rest of mine. And uh, and then this is this is actually this is the part where I was like, this is the really proto version of that famous episode later on. Like, where he's just like, I keep trying to write the report. Every time I try to get started, I find myself staring at the casualty list and reading the same five names over and over. Talor, Rooney, Bertram, Hoya, Panthro, sister, and Munez, and you know, and it's like in her whole like, well, we both know it was worth it. So you know, if you had to do it again, yes, I'd do the same thing. But you know, yeah, I I don't know, and maybe that's maybe it doesn't need to get easy. Maybe that's the whole point. And you know, at the, at the academy. Sorry, <laughs> Professor Somax teaching. Do you remember that on moral and ethical issues of command? She's like, yes, yes, yes. Keep emotional distance, and it's good advice. I've tried to follow it, but Jake and Munoz have the same <laughs> birthday. And... <laughs> I remember that line. Hoya, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I performed her wedding ceremony, and Rooney, Andy Rooney. Oh, he could play the trumpet. Andy <laughs> he Rooney play the trumpet like Will Riker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then they, uh, I guess that then Worf, who was, yeah, then Worf joins O'Brien to the sit and shiva w- scene. Sit over the body of Kike. Yeah, he's like, yeah, and it's just like in the, in the whatever storage room they have on the Defiant, like, is, I like that just like as a war store, you know, like, oh, well, we're in the supply room, but that's where we have to keep the yeah, body. That was a know, nice, it was a nice part. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that gravitron emitter, we got the tractor beam, you, beam to pull it out. You would have liked that. And Worf comes in and is like, oh, I see you're performing Akvoff or your friends. And it's like, I am? Yes, you are. That's where you stay around the body to keep the predators away so that the spirit can make it to Stovacor and like fade to black. So my, my thing with this episode was I think that we all agree it was a pretty good episode. Yeah. And whenever, and the things that I liked about it, you know, it was a good opportunity to see them get in a quarry in Southern California and kind of rut around and have an adventure. <laughs> I love that. A lot of, a lot of the stories that we like, I've noticed happen off the station, and including this one. And I'm starting to wondering if some of the the problems with the series at the beginning the complaints that the fans had at the time that they didn't go anywhere. I'm wondering if that wasn't valid to a certain extent. Because mm. when I think about all the episodes that are now, think about it <laughs> like duet, where did duet happen? It happened on the station. On the station. That, well, I'm thinking about the one, the other one that was like duet, the, the other, the Cardassian trial one. Oh, uh, oh, the uh, one with, with, when O'Brien was on trial? Yeah, where they went, where they went, like, that one. That's what oh, I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah. Tribunal. Tribunal. I mean, a, a lot of them, the, there, are, there are good station ones, but they really fell into a trap. By having them on the station, They it was really a trap of, like, who who will drop by, like, Alien of the Week, who will drop by, like, Vampire Aliens, or Move Along Home, yeah. or I guess they're on the station. I guess we got to have, like, a creature in their computer, <laughs> or... Mm. We had the, or, the, yeah. the first season is like we spent fifty million dollars on this shit. We better use the right. sets. I, I really feel like but. that maybe when we're examining the complaints of the show of the time, that it's something we should consider is that maybe when they get out and about, it opens up for more story possibilities. Yeah. Conversely, I think one of the strengths of the show is the station. If you choose instead of 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 you choose to look at it instead of a place of where aliens could drop by alien of the week, 
style. A place where people, your characters have to deal with their shit after a mission. So, like, whenever we have uh, O'Brien, rather than have an episode where he's suffering the whole time and you find out at the end of it it's not real, you have that at the beginning and then he comes home to the station. Mm-hmm. And you see the station is a place, yeah, yeah. The, the a stationary place where, you know, a, a home uh, where you get the sense of home where you have to, like, deal with your your trauma and you know the story unfolds from that and there's another one kind of like that too with the the, the pregnancy where you have the pregnancy that was the away mission right right you could have had an episode about that mm-hmm. at the right exactly about yeah. so i feel like they're they're at a point where they understand like when you have it on the station how to utilize that aspect of starfleet life I- rather than having it be an alien of the week drop by episode that's what I think. I think that it's more that with the creation of the Dominion and then the sort of sidestep with the Klingons and now we're back with the Dominion. I think that having an overarching narrative out there, outside of the ship, um, mm-hmm. whether the episodes are on the ship or outside the ship, are just better off where it does feel like in the first two seasons, except for Bajor, which no one ever seemed to be super excited to fold into the to the cake of the show it was just kind of like you're just like you know it's like every episode you know and I, I said it at the time well everything's normal and then like at the end of every episode everything's back to normal right you literally are just waiting for neighbors to come over that's what and, i'm saying yeah or the normal yeah and um james did you not enjoy episode 14 storytellers <laughs> i was thinking when you were talking about it, i was like there's a lot of workplace dramas there's not a lot of home dramas like sitcoms take place at home because it's easy set but like you think like there's not a lot of like like this it's a it's a it's a drama but it takes place completely in these people this people's house <laughs> like you never hear that well, i guess this is us is like that Oh, you had to name the one I hadn't seen. <laughs> or or they're like the biggest one on television right now. Or they're yeah, all, yeah, yeah. it all takes place in, in yeah. like their or house. like the biggest show on TV right well, now. Well, that's true. Okay. Well, maybe they figured it out. The golden, It took the golden age. Well, I, th- like I, I think that, that it, they did figure it out. <laughs> they cracked the code. I think yeah. that's primarily what it is. I mean, workplace, when they treat it like a place, it's interesting when it's a workplace because there are a lot of scenes where they, they're sitting around shooting bull and stuff. Even more so than yeah, a but lot not of everybody has the not everybody has the like, and it's not everybody like like at your house. A large part of your day is spent like I'm about to go to bed in an hour. <laughs> like you know, like that's the worst thing that you can have on a show. It's just yeah, right. so it has I mean, <laughs> like so you can't just have everybody like uh, the kids are doing their homework and I'm cleaning the kitchen. You know, like, I'm about to, you know, go brush my teeth and get into bed. It has to have some sort of external shit going on. There are scenes like that in, in shows, but there's, uh, like, very seldomly is it generate from home interactions. Right. And, but workplaces, like, you know, shit, cop shows, hospital shows, they never leave the fucking hospital or the cop precinct or whatever. So you can generate that kind of shit there because it's, you know, everybody's doing something and you can have enemies and friends and shit and you have enemies in your house. It's like a fucking nightmare. So it's a different sort of thing. And, but like, I think that they figured that out by the dominion and by having like a through line that's going on outside of where they are. External problems. Yeah. Yeah. External problems. So now even if they have right. an episode like next week's episode, that completely takes place on the ship or on the station. It's still like it's either a it's either a curveball like it's a change of pace episode, or it's like the O'Brien wants to kill himself episode, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> right, right. So you can it gives you more variety because you've you have this thing going on outside. Where the first two is just like, what the fuck is going going on? Right. Will the Bajoran transitional government achieve its farming goals over the next? <laughs> Cycle. I wonder right. if we take if we take the highest rated ones on IMDb and 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 at the end of when we're done when we're completed and find out like the top ten how many of them take place on the station. I'll be interested to to see. Yeah. Well, well, we know that Duet and the highest rated one I'm it's, I'm imagining does. is Duet and Pale Blue Light. Those are both on 
station. Yeah. Um, but Visitor is mostly right. not on station. Um, I mean, of course, some of them you have to like get a percentage of a, between A and B plot, too. Yeah, that's true. It's just something to look yeah, out for. Yeah. It's a criticism. It's a main criticism of the show. When, yeah, when yeah. people who like Star Trek don't like Deep Space Nine, they say, well, they, they never went anywhere. They were always on the station. They don't go and anywhere. And I'm thinking that's not really the case although i could kind of see how mm-hmm. somebody could think that when it because it, when it, it got better when they got the defiant and got to go do stuff what you're saying is is that you don't like alien of the week stories right i think and yeah when you say that like i think people have a valid complaint but they're just not articulate articulating it i agree right this one this episode, they're not on the station, and they're not even on. They don't even have a runabout to go. Well, that's to what made me think it was so so interesting. They had a problem that was off, you know, off the station, yeah. and 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 they they took that. Yeah, they were took that opportunity to tell like a real old school Star Trek morality play. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of them where they're waiting. I mean, I guess there's a lot of them when they're on the planet and the ship has to wait for him or something well the dominion war not to get not to not to get too far ahead of myself takes place on the defiant yeah yeah right there's we have a whole season that pretty much takes place on a ship yeah and it does get to be a lot more like uh you go to jimadar prison planets and all kinds of stuff so there is a lot more moving yeah that's what some of our favorite ones happen off off station is my point Uh, yeah we got we got a lot to look forward to yeah yeah, it does. Definitely, we're at the place where the story blooms to a great degree. Yeah, I'm very excited for yeah. the season. Like specifically, oh, far from far beyond the stars. You know, yeah. you know that that's. Oh, that's the one. Not I was on thinking. the station that's, at all. I mean, that's <laughs> just that's very different. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. See, nope. yeah. aren't we getting? I it's something to look out for. Say no more. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, you, you've got a. You've got. It's an interesting. Uh, yeah, thing. yeah. Yeah, you're right. Are we ready? To, I mean, our most our most hated episodes are on the station. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. Well, because they're from the first season where they're still paying. For yeah, that I'm trying set. to think. Like, well, the muse, uh, the muse is on the station. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, like they're all they're yeah. all on the station. <laughs> well, yeah. But, all right. All right. right. Well, I didn't want to bog down the podcast too much, but it's something I think that our our viewers uh, might be yeah, find yeah. It, like they can weigh in on too. Which I don't like that segue. one. I don't like that one where they go and like uh, they force Andrea Martin to be naked with like five hundred pounds of latex on her. That I didn't like that episode very much. <laughs> well, <laughs> and that wasn't on the you station. Had, I, yeah, I, I I love it. I loved it. <laughs> that was take me to Faringa. Take me to Faringa. <laughs> Uh, Put me in the water. But we know, we know you have a strong, uh, you have a strong attachment to Andrea Martin. I, you know, I didn't until we started this podcast. And I'm like, oh, I guess I do. Yeah. <laughs> She's awakened things in you that scares you. Yes. That's one of his weird boner jams. Speaking yeah. of, well, we can do their time. We'll do the thing, and I'll. I was gonna say, speaking of boner jams, next week. Uh, yes, but we got to do our ratings. Oh yes, yeah. You guys want to take a stab at what the good people of? Oh yeah. Uh, Rewatch. Oh yeah, well yeah, real quick on the rewatch meter. That's even better. Uh, I love this episode. I'll give it an eight. Five. Five. It's an unsung. Yeah, it's an unsung episode. Like, oh, you thought yeah. you don't it's, remember. I this mean, one, it's not a bad shit. episode. It's not. I still hold it, by it. It wasn't particularly fun for me to watch, but it wasn't like excruciating either. So it's a five. It deserves it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I. Uh, this is kind of a. A middling one for me. Like I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I do love the old Star Trek flavor of Andy Hamden more uh, morality at the end. Um, and I'd probably put it about a six or seven. I'm, I'm sort of in between you guys. Yeah, on this Papa, one. Papa, mm. Papa, the fireworks, no, it's fireworks festival. The fireworks. <laughs> I mean, and the guy that played Kike, I thought did a great job. You guys want to guess what the good people of IMDb think about this? Uh, I'm going to give it a 6.8. Oh, really? That's pretty low. What'd he say? I don't know, man. I'm 6.87. Well, shit, man. No, my, I have not been able to get my game on point for like two seasons now. So I don't I know. know that, I know that, uh, Layland. the writers said that they didn't like the episode, but fans do is what they said. So I, I can't get what the writers like, man. They, they, pat themselves on the back for shit in season one 
and well, then they don't like I this mean, one that much. Probably, it's like a, they're trying to they're trying to polish a turd at season one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, that like, they're. I mean, I think that <laughs> right. I know. I think that these were some like high. I think that they thought they were like a NASA like landing crew, like they were on the Apollo mission. I think they really like yeah, they yeah, yeah. they really they really bought into their own shit on this. This show. is where they're really like polishing their own horns. I'm going to, yeah, and so I think that they just thought. That the sh- execution didn't match the script is probably mm-hmm. my believe it. Um, why? Because Kim? Why? Because Kim Friedman directed this one. No. Oh, well, well, let's see. No. Well, let's see. Kim Ronald D. Moore said it had some problems. I it thought was she fairly, did a great. Fairly job. solid episode, but I don't think the relationship with Munez plays as strong as it could have. It wasn't as good as when we wrote it. I think is the general feeling. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they don't want to shit on Munez, or they don't like his acting. I'm shitting on Cole Meany. They don't do that. But um, uh, I'm going to say 7.8, 7. 7.7, 7.7. Ooh. All right. This one's That's got high. 750 views, uh, votes, which is pretty average, actually, for for this late in the season, in the series, rather. And it's a 7.9. Just stay with my 7.8. Oh. They really liked it. Yeah, the fans like this one. Yeah. Uh, sh- yeah. I mean, I think I mean it's intense. It's got a morality. It's got uh, it's got character interactions. You have a tragic death. I mean, it it it's not it's good. It's not bad. It's got Here's a my thing is that I'm not. End, yeah. Uh, it's definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. going to be in the meh column at the end of the season when I do my white. If you give Worf a moment at the end of of an episode, it it's going to get mm-hmm. bumped up a couple points in the fans' books. People like Probably. their Worf. Yeah. You know, and it has a big Worf moment. <laughs> sure. Speaking of yeah. big wharf moments, uh, right. next, week, uh, next week's episode is all about fucking yeah. A plot, B plot, and C plot. All <laughs> about fucking. About wanting to fuck, about not wanting to fuck, about not realizing Look. that you want to fuck. It's Wookiee yes. Punub and it's, all the Wong Paces. Uh, that's, yes, that's, that's the name uh, of the episode, it is right? Wookiee Punub. Wookiee Punub in all the Wong Paces. Like that old Eddie Murphy Buckwheat. Sings those hits, right? Oh, it's directed uh, this, by Andrew Robinson by too. Andrew, Andrew Robinson, it. and and I just I watched it today, and it's every bit as good as I oh. I remembered. It's got my favorite B plot of story ever in the show. So uh, yeah, so <laughs> exciting. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe I'll watch it right now. <laughs> All right. Well, Wade, should we uh, move on to our voicemails and emails? I think we should. All right. What are you doing? We will both keep the predators away. I'm sure KK would like that. Oh, except we don't have any this week. Sorry. Um, That's on me, I guess. Wait. Hey, look. Uh, if you uh, think that we're jerks for not getting the calls in this week, well, I guess let us know. But uh, yeah, okay, we'll try real soon. Started expecting to start hearing some of your uh, season four wide albums. We've got some good stuff coming up, so looking forward to it. Don't uh, give up on hearing from yourselves yet. It'll come, you know, just not this week. If you don't miss it and you don't want to hear the voicemail segment anymore, uh, why don't you give us a call and tell us about that? All right, Wade, Wade, do you want to let everybody know how they can get a hold of us? No, I don't, but I will anyway. No, actually, I do. Okay, Uh, yeah, give us a call. Let us know what you think about the show and Deep Space Nine and whatever by giving us a call at 917-408-3898. That's our little hotline number. Yep. Mm. It'll cut you off at three minutes, so try to keep it under under that. If you want to email us uh, some audio or an email or whatever, you can send us an email at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com. For the most part, the emails that end at three minutes... We're not like rolling our eyes that you could hurry up. So like, like if you if you do have a lot to say, you can record and send. Sometimes that's rewarding for us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever you need to do, but just if you if yeah. you're calling in, it'll cut you off for three minutes, and it's easier to fit. Yeah, what you know, do you do you? I mean, whatever you want to send us, we we will listen to it. And we, and if you have like a whole 
thesis that only is going to take an hour to tell it to us. Well, yeah, maybe don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, hey, I actually, I, I'll listen to it. Uh, generally, least, but, uh, uh, the rule of yeah. thumb is, is that um, you can go long on a voicemail if you are agreeing with me. Um, and if and if you're not, maybe keep it short. Uh, I think that's a general good rule of thumb. Yeah. Well, I. I <laughs> oh wait, wait, that's that not a. Oh, okay. Never mind. That's I'd not. That's not that a lot more earnestly. If this were say like a discovery, this is a, we're not. This yeah, ain't we're the not, discovery no. podcast. We're, we're not all on the same page on that one. So never mind. <laughs> <laughs> right. As long as you agree with all of us. <laughs> No matter even if we have differing opinions. I don't know how you'll work that out. Probably doesn't make for good podcasting, but it is fun. Probably not. All right. Mm -hmm. And we have a Patreon campaign, too, that that is ongoing. Right, Wade? Yes, we do. We got some good stuff over there if you want to hear about Dune or other things that we talk about. But, yeah, like Much of Dune About Nothing, our podcast series on the book by Frank Herbert. That's pretty good stuff over there. Uh, check that out at throw us some money if you feel like supporting the show at patreon.com slash kickers of elves. Yes. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to the rules of acquisition. We hope you join us next week as we go over another episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. For Wade, James, and myself, three to beam out. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line? where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes. They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again, 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.